Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So we are already judged. And that's why we need to believe in Christ because that unlocks the door and sets us free from guilt and eternal judgment with God. And the Spirit of God is doing that. You're a sinner. You got to believe in Christ. Righteous. Yeah, you got to be righteous. But you've got to be as perfect as Christ. And you're not. You'll never be. So He has to give you His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And the world is judged. As Satan will be... Will, will Satan ever get out of not being judged? Is there ever a time that he can kind of have a... Aha moments that you know what I need to do. No, he's judged. And so right now, there's a time in our life that we have to realize we're underneath the judgment of God, but God's grace, and maybe his grace for you today is right now he is with the Spirit of God screaming at you, you need to trust in Christ. You're hearing the message. I'm not obligated to give it to you anymore. Will you trust Christ? That's the Spirit of God in the world, in you. And you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Because I go to the Father. Oh, God is so good. Let's go a little bit further here because I wanted you to see a little bit about the convicting of the world. So maybe you want to look at it as I put it out here for you. The Spirit convicts us of sin. I've got a problem. Who is that for? All of mankind. The Spirit convicts us of righteousness. There's only unique righteousness and power in Christ. That's Christ's judgment. The world is headed for disaster. Why? Because Satan is headed for disaster. And we have that to look in our life. And I pray that we see that. All right, now. How does he convict the world of those truths? It doesn't say that in the passage, does it? Can you give me a couple more moments here? This is going to go a little bit deeper, but listen carefully. How does he now convict the world of those three things? I believe he convicts the world of those three things at least from two areas, two sources. Ultimately, he's the source. The first source is going to be through you and me. Now, how do we, or how are we used of God to bring conviction to the world? When you and I choose to be Christ-like, godly, and let God live His life out through us, our very lifestyle becomes an enigma to the world. And so they didn't have to do business with either um, looking at us and uh, marginalizing us or kicking us out of their life, if you know what I mean, and maybe even killing us as Christians in the name of their own God. So they're all under this conviction because we're just trying to live for Jesus. I got an email from someone last night. She's seated here in the, the meeting. And she said, let me tell you this, that there was a pastor in uh, Africa where there's so much persecution right now, a particular hot spot in Africa that is now killing Christians. And so this one pastor took his family, put them in the car, was driving them to a safe place like a hospital. And in the process of going there, they murdered him as a Christian in the name of their God. Now, saying all that to say this, we are a conviction to the world of this very thing just by our lifestyle. The second way we do that, watch carefully, is when the word of God either comes from our lips or from resource material or teaching on the radio, whatever, whatever, we're giving them written truth of the word of God in Christ and that is getting to the world and the world is hearing that. Now you say, wait, this is the spirit of God. You're saying the, the word of God. Watch this, watch this, watch this. We know that the word of God is called the spirit of truth. We also know it's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So when we live Word of Godly and we speak God's Word, 
That's how the Spirit uses all of that to bring conviction to the world. Now that ties into the passage that says that we're to be the salt and the light for Christ to this world. And that's why, again, we'll be marginalized and massacred for our faith. That's how he convicts them. Now, what should we be doing if we're going to depend upon the Spirit and the conviction of the world? Well, before I answer that, I want to give you a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement. <clears throat> see if I can t- put this together. <clears throat> that means when I choose, whether I'm a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, but I'm a Christian and I want to build God's kingdom in a sense, communicate the message and watch God build His kingdom, that kind of thing. When I do all of that, that means when I share the gospel with someone else, however I'm communicating that message, I am never alone when I do that. So watch this. I don't have to bring guilt on that person. I don't have to make them feel guilty. I don't have to in any way, shape, or form other than to lovingly and boldly communicate the message to that person that the work that that's, going to be done, that's going to be done in that person's life will be the work of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God as it comes out of a preferably clean vessel to that other person. So what am I doing now is that I'm going to depend upon the Spirit to bring about conviction, not me convict that person. I'm going to pray that God will take care of that. So that's point number one under that. So I need to pray as I'm presenting that message to the unbeliever. Secondly, I need to trust the Holy Spirit is actually going to be convicting somebody that I'm speaking to. Maybe that's why in Matthew 28 when it says, as you're going, make disciples and I'll be with you to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit's in you. Uh Uh-oh. Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same again. So now we're seeing the deity in action. In what way? Evangelism in my life. So I don't have to convict them. I just bring the word out. God does the work there. What do I do? I pray. I trust. And last, I'm going to talk to somebody. Watch this. Even if I don't think they're going to believe. I don't think there was probably a harder nut to lead to Christ than Carol's dad. He's an old Navy man, lived in World War II, rough and tough, hard to diaper, owned his own business, came from a part of the American country that you had to build it with your bare hands and fight for it. And he just came from that kind of a hard scrabble life. You know what I'm trying to say? And so here am I taking his daughter away from Walton's Mountain, you know, from, the, from his heart. I ripped her out of his heart. To do ministry, you sissy, you know? You're going to be one of those television evangelists, aren't you? Manipulating people. You're not, my, my daughter's going to starve. You're going to take her to a, far, a country. She, she, I'll never see her again. She's going to die there, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm so different than the rest of the sons-in-laws and the rest of the family. They all really, literally live on, they don't call it Walton's Mountain, it's Ward's Mountain. That's his last, and we're the only ones that are kind of way out there. None of them, although they know Christ, weren't given in the gospel. So I had to come in there in my own little way, hardly with a relationship. He works with his hands. I work with my mouth, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and I'm going to try to lead him to the Lord. Prayer helped a great deal. Carol's consistent testimony helped a great deal. God did the work. And it was like four years ago where finally, you know, he's, he's in his late 80s now. You know, he, he, he doesn't have long. At any moment, he's gone. So it began and began and began and began. And all we could do is just pray, trust the Spirit of God was going to work, and continually to speak. I can remember out of the blue after giving him the gospel so many different times. At the, you, know, you don't just kind of come in, hi, Dad, trust in Jesus. You don't do that. You know how these things go. But I can remember after a time being up there for about a week, and then we have to leave. We don't have a lot of time up there. 
to reconnect, connect, and then deconnect. But we're getting ready to go. We're kind of packing up, getting our luggage out of our bedroom, putting them in the living room, getting ready to do the last crying goodbye and all that stuff you know how you do when you don't see each other for a year maybe. And he leans over and he says, Stan, um, <clears throat> I want you to know, don't worry about me. I'm going to heaven. I said, say what? <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> and he said, yep, I'm going to heaven. I said, how do you know? Well, I did what you said. I said, what, what did I say? What did I say that you did? That, that you did? He said, I believe in Jesus. And so then... I couldn't believe it, you know, I had to, you know, nah, not really, you're not, nah. So we had to go through the gospel again, and he gave the gospel clear again and again and again back to me. Less than a year later, for Christmas, you know, what do you want, Dad? You know, he's one of those, give me a bag of bird seed. I like bird seed, feed the birds, you know. This year he said, I'd like a Bible. Now here's a man with an eighth grade education, barely can read, reads headlines. I want a Bible. I gave him a Bible. Went up there to visit him again. He said, I've been reading over here. Tell me what that means. And in the last six months when he knew he was going, he kept giving testimony to his faith. I am not a great soul winner. I had virtually no relationship other than I was honest and decent and took care of his wife in whatever human way that I could. God did all that. I want you to know that you have the Bob Wards in your life. And you can depend upon the Spirit of God, not only to be with you when you're all alone, but be with you when you're all alone and you have to give the gospel to somebody. The last is going to go very quickly, and I do need to bring this to a close. So let me give you number three. We talked about him being in us, praise the Lord. We talked about him convicting the world, but I think it blows back on us. He convicts us still in our own life. Number three, he will guide us. He will guide us. Although there's only four verses in this last part, it's chock full of rich stuff. So let me go quickly through here. Beginning, if you will, at verse 12, it says, I have many more things to say to you. <laughs> Boy, do I feel like Jesus sometimes. I have so much to tell you. You guys don't need to eat lunch or pick up your kids. The nursery workers will keep them the rest of the day. No, that's not going to happen. But I know what he's trying to I have more to say to you. In fact, the Bible says he, had, he did so much that they couldn't even record it all. If they did, there wouldn't be enough books to hold it. So we knew that this guy was just full of truth because he's God. And he says, but you cannot hear them now. Well, he knew the audience, so he knew they couldn't hear now. Maybe it was because of time, because he was right at the end. It could be because they weren't uh, ready to receive it all. We call it information overload. Maybe that's where you are at times. I know I am. Verse 13, he says, but when he, remember, I'm leaving, but when he, the spirit of truth comes. I love that, not the spirit, but the spirit of truth. Remember that, the truth. It's going to come from the word, comes. He will guide you into all the truth. So underline the word all. Anything that is truth, that God says is truth, he will guide you in it in the word right here. The truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, when the Spirit is teaching you, he's going to agree with Scripture. He's going to make sure that it's disclosed to you. So that means that you can learn the Bible. If you never went to Bible college, never went to seminary, all right? I do believe God has teachers that he's gifted. I do believe he wants every Christian in church, in a church setting like this, regularly when the word of God is taught, because that's what he's going to use. The spirit of God is going to use that. Verse 14, the spirit will glorify me, for he will take of mine, Christ, and I will disclose it to you. All things, and all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine, and I will disclose it to you, so get your pens ready, verse 15. The Father, God the Father, our mind, God the Son, 
Therefore, I said that he, God the Spirit, takes a mind and will disclose it to you. You've got the Trinity acting right there in your life. So I want you to know when you leave here with all this information, you're leaving not just with information. You are leaving with the Godhead in you. That means you can rise above whatever you're going through. You can stand strong for him. So as he guides you, remember three things. Number one, he will guide you towards truth. So that means you do not have to live in error. If people are believing a lie, it's because they listen to their own heart. And their heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And their heart led them away from truth. So be careful of your heart. But you don't have to be careful of the spirit. When you say, oh God, please teach me truth. I beg you for truth. I'm going to tell you, that's probably the, one of the best prayers you could ever pray. The, the quickest answerable prayer from the Lord. He will guide you into all truth. Number two, he will guide us towards hope. He will guide us towards hope. The last part of verse 13 says, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. I think that's interesting because I can now look to what's to come. I've got two things that I can, I can say for sure of. I, I know taxes, but death and taxes, but I can say something else. I know I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'm going to die. Now the rapture may occur. Body will still, that's it, get a new body, but I am going to die. But I have this. Even though I know I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. And if I don't die and he raptures me out of here, that's another whole teaching. But he takes me while I'm still alive, which he's going to do to all believers at a certain time in history, uh, for those that are alive when he comes. I'm going to still go to heaven. So here it is. I don't have the hope that I won't get cancer. I don't have the hope that I'll be cured of cancer in this life. I don't have the hope of anything on this earth for this earth. Catch that? I don't have the hope of anything on this earth for this earth in my life. But what I do have is the hope, not the hope, hope, hope will get that, but it's the anticipation of joy. I've got that in the eternality of God. That is my hope. So that doesn't matter whatever happens to this world, whatever is taken away from me in this world, whether it's finances, fitness, friends, whatever, whatever's gone from me, it doesn't matter because I have that confident joy, hope, in God because of the Spirit of God in my life. So I can give you hope right now. All of you, whatever disease you get or if you get a disease, you will be cured. Maybe not here in this life, but you will be cured and you will go to the next life with a brand new body. That to me is better than for me to get, get sick, get well, get sick again and die. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to have an eternal relationship with him. Last is this. He will always guide us toward Jesus. And that's why I put an exclamation point there. Because, yeah, I'm glad he guides me towards truth. I'm glad he guides me towards hope. But I'm so glad he guides me to Jesus Christ because he is my all in all. Folks, you have been so good to listen to this long message today. I don't know how you did it. You did a great job. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear ones, Truth is nothing more than accurate information on a piece of paper, perhaps. But if you want it to come alive and active, then you have to engage it. And this whole message was filled with a lot of truths, but for those of you who are guests or maybe listening for the first time on the radio or on the Internet, the first truth you need to know is that Jesus Christ is God, that Jesus Christ loves us just the way we are, And that he wants us to spend eternity in heaven with him. So once you've got that, now the next truth he wants you to know is that in your present situation, you're separated from him. And we'll spend eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. So whatever you want to call it, it's a horrible place because Jesus will never be there. 
and that one sin, thought, talk, or walk, sent you there, and your nature, your sin nature, condemned you there. You need to know that truth. You also need to know the truth that to go to heaven, you've got to be as righteous and as perfect as Christ, and that eliminates all religion after that. Because religions will tell you you've got to do something to get to heaven. It'll tell you that good works won't get you to heaven. You've got to be perfect. You know that you've already done one sin, so even if you're perfect for the rest of your life, you've got, you've got a blot on you. So Jesus, you've got to be perfect. So that has now stripped you of any hope of heaven in that condition. Jesus then said, remember, I'm God. I died on the crossroads again. And he says, now I'm telling you that you can have eternal life. If you will trust me as the one who took care of your sin problem when I died and rose again, and I'm going to give you my righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean you'll live righteously the rest of your life. I hope you sin less, but you'll never be sinless. So he says, now what I'm going to do is forgive you of all sin. That's the key thing. I'll forgive you for everything you've done wrong, everything you are, I'll forgive all the future. You are totally underneath my blanket of forgiveness. If you will do one thing, believe that I am the Lord God Almighty who then went to the cross and died and rose again. It is a faith alone thing in Christ. Now that's what he wants you to know. If you could take away anything from this message, for those of you that haven't trusted Christ as Savior, that you will embrace him and experience at that moment the promise of God when he says, Jesus speaking, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. When the same writer of John said, In 1 John 5, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God so you could know you have eternal life. You believe that, therefore you know it because you placed your faith in Christ. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. And I'm not going to have you stand up, walk an aisle. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. You're not going to have to say anything. But if today is the day you're trusting in Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand. Now, no one can see you because every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And when I see that hand, I'll know that today you trusted Christ. Now remember, raising your hand and me praying for you won't even get you into heaven. All that is post-salvation. That's happened after you've trusted Christ because you just did it right there in your own heart before the Lord. You called upon the name of the Lord, so to speak, and trusted in Christ to be your Savior. Would you do that? Maybe you could say something, something like this. It's a mental transaction. Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, but the best I know how I'm going to place my faith alone in Christ. I want to thank you for dying on the cross I want to thank you that you'd give to me eternal life. So, Lord, I thank you that I have a no-so salvation right now. Now, however you said that, as long as it's by faith in Christ alone, on the authority of his word, you have eternal life. Would there be anyone in here today, while all the heads are bowed and all the eyes are closed, who would like for me to know that today was the day that you really called upon the Lord to be your forever Savior? You don't understand the whole Bible? I'm still learning. Nobody does. But as we learn, we know more today than we did yesterday. So you don't have to know everything. You just need to know that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again. And that by faith in Him, and your faith is now in Him, you have eternal life. So would there be anyone that would silently like me to pray for them? Now when I pray for you, I won't mention your name in my prayer, won't describe you in my prayer. But I do want to just at the end, just kind of welcome you into God's family. You're not joining the church, just God's family. So is there anyone here today that's ready to say, with that uplifted hand silently, I trusted Christ as my Savior today. Now, you're not saying it out loud. You just put the hand up, put it down. Would you let me know right now? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone in here today that would like me to know that you're trusting Christ? Never done it before. Thank you. Anyone else? 
All right, let me move quickly to you Christians. You know, this, this, was a, this message was filled with a lot of stuff. I hope I didn't overload it. And if some of it spilled out, don't worry. It didn't go into the ground and lost forever. Just open your Bible and you'll get it back. But I don't want it to be just, oh, that's good teaching. I needed to hear that. If you, if you needed to hear it, that means you're going to do something with it. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, what are you going to do about it? Are you now going to realize that you're never alone and cultivate that relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit? Will you really know Him, not just know about Him? Would you get involved in some of our Bible classes and get yourself a good Bible and bring it every Sunday? A literal translation of Scripture? And then how about convicting the world? Maybe a little bit of conviction kind of blew back on you and me today and maybe we need to confess it and not get saved again. We don't have to. We never get saved again. Once we get saved, we're saved. We have eternal life forever. But maybe there's some things in our life that we know is, is wrong. We've, um, we've gone places and the Holy Spirit grievingly went with us. We've said things and the Spirit grievingly hurt us. We thought some things and the Holy Spirit grievingly knew we did it. Maybe right now the Spirit of God is convicting you to bring about a confession. And your first confession is to the Lord. And that confession needs to come with a forsaking. And, and don't worry about Satan going to tell you a lie right now. Ah, oh, if you forsake it, don't try it. If you do it, you're only going to do it again. So you've done it so many times. Nah, nah, nah. He, he wants you not to do this stuff so you can stay with a load of guilt. How many times did you fall off your skateboard before you really learned how to ride it? And you still fall off, but you get back on again. Or a bike. Or you had a car accident. You still drive. Well, you might have had an accident in your spiritual walk with God and the Lord's saying, hey, clean yourself up, get going again. So you go do that. You get a do-over with the Lord every day. I want you to know you don't have to fear sharing the message with someone else because it's his message. It's about Christ. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. You give that message and you depend upon the Holy Spirit. You pray, depend upon the Spirit. You trust him as you're doing this. And then just speak the truth in love, graciously, kindly, seeking God for wisdom. But you speak that message of salvation correctly, clearly, compassionately, courageously, consistently, concisely, and cheerfully. And then finally, guiding you. Some of you are wanting to grow in your walk with God and you want to know truth. I want to tell you, there's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit himself. And he will guide you into the book that he's inspired called the Bible. So you got it all going for you right now. The teacher, the writer, the word, God, to help you. So you just cry out unto him. And those of you that are worried about this life, sometimes I do too. But let's never worry about the next life because we have hope in that because he always guides us to Jesus. How many of you need prayer today? Something in your own life? I, I don't know. I'm going to give you a general time for you to let me know you'd like me to pray for you. I'm not going to point you into a particular section of the box. You just uh, let me know. Is there anyone here today that says, you know, Pastor, I, I'd like you to agree with me in prayer. I'm dealing with some stuff. And, and I'm just going to love on you through the Lord, through this prayer, and let the Spirit of God 
love on you and help you, convict you, teach you, remind you, empower you, prompt you. But you'd like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone in here today that says, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm coming to the Lord on some issues right now. Put your hand up right now. Anyone at all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word of God and I thank you for the Spirit of God working in the child of God so that, Father, you would receive all the glory of God. Now, Father, I pray that you'll take this truth and help us to plummet its depths even more as we grow in appreciation of you and let it so change us from within that we can't help but go tell somebody to help somebody about the greatest helper, the Holy Spirit of all. Father, we love you and we thank you for those today that are humbling themselves beneath the mighty hand and word of God. For we will be exalted with grace in due time. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,